Corey. We need your mid-summer update. Last time we did this, you were in the middle of vacation. You've mm-hmm. been back. Now you got two more weeks coming. Yep. Very soon. Yep. Big plans? Well, the one of these weeks lines up with my wife. It's her last week of maternity leave before she goes back to work. So... She's kind of in charge of that week, right? We're going to do whatever she wants to do. <laughs> yes, fair. Right now they're calling for a little bit of rain at the start of it, so we'll see. But I know that, you know, she wants to do stuff like go up to Wasega Beach for a day. She actually wants to golf once, which oh, is nice. nice. So I'm definitely happy to do that. I'm also happy to go to the beach and do all this stuff. And uh, nothing really planned yet. Maybe Canada's Wonderland really depends on weather, you know. So we'll we'll see how that goes. My second week, though, when she's back at work, Basically golf all week. And I think we have a tape to tape. I was going to say most importantly, (laughs) there will be some kind of annual tape to tape golf outing still location TBD, but it is happening. I can't do wonderland. I'm as scared. I I don't like it. Okay. You don't either. eh? (laughs) Uh, So do you hit the rides or do you just help them around? So this is embarrassing. When we went the last time we went two years ago, we didn't go last year because she was pregnant. The last time we went two years ago, that was the first time I went on the bat. And that was a big achievement for me. I don't go on whatever those new ones are. The ones that take you to... The ones got zero gravity point on the point where you can see the entire city and then just drop you? Go straight down. I'm never doing that. I'm never doing drop zone. No, I'm not a rides guy. I'm as scared of rides today at almost 40 as I was at 40. Four years old. Like it hasn't changed <laughs> yeah. one no. bit. No. I remember the first time we did a stand up roller coaster. I'm standing in line. I'm next to go up, and the stand up roller coaster in front of us got stuck going up the thing. And I'm just sitting there like, this, this couldn't have been at a worse time. <laughs> I guess I could have been on it, and that would have been worse. <laughs> I don't even think I could do a Ferris wheel. A couple of real <laughs> courageous guys. Thank God we've got uh, other things to talk about other than letting the world know what giant wimps we are news of the day just happens to be andre vasilevsky signing a big extension with the tampa bay lightning we will talk about what that means for the bolts for him and sort of have a little chatter about goalies and contracts in general hey it's midsummer fake trade season for sure we're gonna cook up a couple float them by each other and and see if they at all pass the sniff test for Something that maybe would make sense for the 2019-20 season, which is not that that far away. We're also going to look at, speaking of the season, some projected, uh, some points projections for teams and maybe give thumbs up and thumbs down and some Stanley Cup odds as well. We're going to try and identify some value bets, see if Mm -hmm. we can win our listeners a nickel or two out there. But let's try and get in early before they change. Exactly. (laughs) Let's start with Vasilevsky, though, and your theory on goalies as it pertains to or as they relate to NFL running backs? Yeah, curiously enough. So there's this theory, hypothesis, whatever you want to call it, idea in the NFL that running backs don't matter. That's been the shift That's in what it's thinking called. the last five to ten years, yeah. right? Whereas once upon a time, you might be a running team, you might be a passing team, but the ground game was thought to be very important. Running backs were very valued players. Yeah, and you need a running attack still whether you know you need to have a guy back there who can run with the ball but obviously who can catch the ball that's that's growing in importance as well you need a running back capable but the idea is that maybe it's not wise to pay up for those big names anymore and you know the thinking is go back to last year Le'Veon Bell sits out for the Pittsburgh Steelers because he wants to restructure his contract he wants to cash in the team doesn't want to pay him all that money he sits out the entire year 
So his backup, James Conner, a third round draft pick, steps into the role. He's not as good as Le'Veon Bell. I think if you're given the choice in the vacuum, everybody's choosing Le'Veon Bell. He's a better all-around back, more dynamic, and catch the ball and everything. James Conner finished with a better yards per attempt rushing than Le'Veon Bell did the season prior. And it wasn't a problem with the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense. They could still run the ball as much as they wanted. So right now in NFL training camps, you're seeing Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, a couple of big-name running backs aren't reporting yet because they want to restructure their contracts. The idea is why pay up for a running back when it's easier to find a cheaper guy who's going to be just serviceable enough if the more important factors are things around him. What's the coach like? What's the offensive line like? What's the quarterback like? Those seem to be far more um, um, influencing factors in how a running back does. And maybe you can save some money in, in, in you know paying cheaper and using the, using what you save on the lineup around that player. Maybe that's more effective for the team. And, and now drawing that into the NHL, is it wise to pay nine and a half, ten million dollars to pay up for a Carey Price, uh, an Andre Vasilevsky who he got nine point five, Sergey Bobrovsky just got ten as a thirty-year-old UFA, or do you look at the Robin Laners of the world and maybe put them behind better defenses? And that way you're, you're saving money at the goaltending position. You're spending it elsewhere and you're a better all around team. Is that serviceable enough? The best comparable I can tell for Andre Vasilevsky is John Gibson, a little bit more injury prone for sure, but he was also 25 years old when he signed his contract extension with the ducks last year. It's going to kick in this season and it's about six and a half million dollars, 6.6. I think it is. But if you look at the two, I mean, Gibson's got the better save percentage. He's on a worse team, so his wins are are a little bit less than Vasilevsky's, but their winning percentage is kind of similar. His goals against average is better than Andre Vasilevsky's. And so the Ducks have really, you know, it really shows how how much value the Ducks have in that contract and how great that contract is going to be going forward. And it just makes you wonder if, A, the Lightning facing the cap crunch that they are overpaid a little bit for Andre Vasilevsky, who's still an RFA a couple years away from UFA. Is it wise to just lock in and not worry about that position anymore? And it just makes you wonder, do goaltenders matter at the highest price point? Is it better for a team to consider signing somebody for less and building a better team around them? It's uh, It really has become a fascinating conversation, and I've talked about it on this pod before, the way we view goalies the past, five it's maybe definitely ten years yeah. changing they don't they don't get drafted high there's a volatility involved with the position it's tough to project when they're 17 they haven't played a lot of games usually because they're not the starter on their yep. team a lot of times just all over the board and yes this notion that you shouldn't pay a goalie because chances are you'd be able to find someone who can give you more or less what you need i still come down on the side of you know the difference between a bad goalie and a bad running back is you're never going to hear about, you know, NFL team X had everything else in place, but the running back torpedo right. season. Right. Yep. And every year I feel like there's one, two, three teams that you look at and go, well, everything was there. They just couldn't get a save. Like yes. it's still, it's, it's funny that there's this paradox of, we talk about it in the context of it's this thing you shouldn't put too much value on yet. It's also still, the most important position in terms of how much one guy can impact the game, right? Absolutely. It is. But there are other factors too, like goalies, as we've seen, as we've talked about a lot, 
the NHL is turning more to a tandem league, right? Yeah. So no longer should a starter be getting 60 it, to 65 yeah, games. And if you're paying a guy 9-5, does that really mean, well, the next guy can only be making 2-5? Yeah, but I think it's fair to say, like, Carey Price, is he worth $10.5 million to the Montreal Canadiens? I would say right now, yes. Because he's taking he... a mediocre team, and he could launch them to the conference final, right? Sure. Like, the question is, do you see Andre Vasilevsky as that kind of nightmare? Like, it seems to me like there's only a very small percentage of yeah. goalies that are actually worth that money because they single-handedly Elevate will carry you. Like, Patrick Waugh in the day would have been a goalie like sure. that. Carey Marty, Price, I think, is a guy like that. Marty Brodeur. Marty Brodeur day. was a guy like that. Is Sergei Bobrovsky a guy like that? I mean, that's what Florida paid for, right? That's the idea. Is Andre Vasilevsky that guy or not? And then the an interesting question... Washington is going to be facing is Braden Holt be that because he's a UFA next year one year left on his contract it seems like the starting cap hit for him is going to be 10 million dollars yeah well I mean I throw it at you as a Panthers fan as a as a guy who's been rooting for a team that last year didn't get the save I mean I do think Bobrovsky is worth 10 million to them right to them I think he is situational right I mean yes you're right it's interesting with Tampa in that it is such a good team yeah you're right you probably like Tampa probably is in a position where it could say what's out there on the pile you know could we pay end up paying a total of uh seven and a half or even seven on goaltending and save a couple a precious couple mil as we try to sign all these other guys keep all these guys in house, get Braden point under contract. Yes, it is something uh, they they'd have to think about, but I do think there is something to be said for the security. You kind of mentioned of like, do you want guys coming to camp year over year being like, well, what are we going to get this year? You know? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, Florida, like you've got Huberto and Barkov signed for a couple more years. So it's not like you have like, Ekblad sign like you don't have these huge contracts a ton of them coming up that you have to deal with that's still a team that has been dealing with not hitting expectations and you just want to create some momentum to get fans and so that like Bobrovsky just seemed like the guy that that is the absolute one position they had to upgrade this year they had to do whatever they could to do it whether or not they overpaid for him, it kind of doesn't matter at this point, right? Like he should be the guy that gets them at least into the playoff conversation should get them into the playoffs. If he doesn't, then you kind of look back on this contract in hindsight. And that's when it'll seem like a a bit of a disaster. Goaltending. It doesn't matter until you don't have it. (laughs) And then it's really, really, really critical. All right. Something else that's critical. Getting to our fake trades. We're going to run some scenarios out there. Some swap scenarios. Rory can tell me if I'm coming at this from outer space, but I've got a couple, a couple, one just, I think a solid one for one uh, that I can't wait to float. So stick around. That's what's coming up next on Tape to Tape. Tired of subscribing to multiple streaming services to get your sports fix? Introducing Sportsnet Now. Live stream the NHL, NBA, MLB, IndyCar, and much more all in one subscription. You can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices, including smartphones and tablets, Apple TV, Xbox, and Chromecast. Sign up for as long as you want and cancel whenever you'd like. New package options available beginning at $19.99 a month. View snnow.ca for more details.
Okay, we are back. All right, Rory, as you know with fake trades, it obviously has to be rooted in a little bit of reality. I want people at home listening, rubbing their chin, going, okay, I can see it, I can see it. But we're playing with reality a little bit here as well. I mean, there's got to be a little... A little give and take, but you're looking at the situations each team is in. What direction are they headed? What do they value right now? The Jets are a team that uh, we talked about them on the last pod as the central seems to get better and better all around them. I mean, still some great pieces there, but have to sign Kyle Connor an RFA, have to sign Patrick Laine as an RFA. I think Laine all along has been uh, an interesting case and it seemed I mean, he seems the most likely candidate maybe for a short-term deal, but you look at the forward group and I've wondered before, is this a situation where Winnipeg has so many good players, they could devote the resources. They have so many good forwards. They could devote their resources in other places. We've now seen Tyler Myers leave via free agency. Jacob Truba was traded by the team more or less at his request. So, They need a little help on the blue line. I'm thinking of a team that can offer that, uh, that is uh, very much a team in transition, might be looking at getting someone like Line who has heaps of talent. Mm -hmm. He's put it together in in stretches and had good seasons, but obviously he's been sort of, you know, he goes two months without scoring. I think he goes a little beyond the goal scorers are streaky. Everyone's streaky. You know, He, he stretches the bounds of that definition, but a very, 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 uh, intriguing player. Would the Los Angeles Kings think about maybe doing a one for one Drew Doughty for Patrick Line? That would be fantastic. I think the Kings would absolutely consider that. I yeah. mean, look, you're Los Angeles, your window for the Stanley Cup is slammed shut, right? And you are too slow. You don't score enough. You need to start thinking about winning with a different core rather than trying to kickstart this because you got too many teams to leapfrog and everything like that. It's going to be a hard thing to do to retool on the go while keeping all those players. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's tricky because because Kopitar and Doughty have recently signed big yes, extensions, yes. right? It, in reality, it's probably a long shot from this happening. Um, but I mean, for, from a hockey perspective, yeah, I mean, Line a is the exact kind of goal scorer that the Kings could use that Jeff Carter no longer is. I mean, I don't think Jeff Carter was ever even as good of a goal scorer as line a is. He's probably when he's going line a is what a top three goal scorer in the yeah. league behind when, and when he's in the zone, he might be the guy, maybe, right? Maybe yeah. like he's the only guy in the league that could probably give Ovechkin a run for his money. If he could just find some more consistency and could still be developing other components of his game. He's so young, right? Yeah. Like I could easily make the argument that line a looks like a great fit to be a 50 goal guy next year, because he, I doubt he goes two months without scoring again. Right, like it's it's Seems highly unlikely. unlikely. He'll be streaky, absolutely. Every goal scorer is, but that was that was too an extreme last year. He probably also won't score eighteen goals in November again, but it it won't even it out. It'll it'll go more on the side of he'll score more goals and he'll be motivated and all this stuff. So exactly what the Kings need, and yeah, I mean if you're Winnipeg and you've just lost Truba and and Myers, Bufflin is getting up there in yep. age. I mean he missed basically half the season last year because of injury. I would think that. Age is going to affect him pretty significantly. Being a big guy, being a guy with the injury history he's got, Doughty kind of stabilizes that for you. I love Josh Morrissey, but if if you could return a Doughty, and you still like you still have Kyle Connor, who's a thirty goal lock, Wheeler and Shifley firmly in their primes, Jack Rosovich 
just aching to get a top six role on on that team, and he brings some offensive upside. Christian Veselainen, a big-bodied Finnish goal scorer, can basically take over Patrick Laine's role, and he won't be as effective as a goal scorer, but he'll be a very can, serviceable NHL player. You can see the solutions player. up front, absolutely. Yeah. And then again, you go into the trade deadline, throw away a first-round pick for a rental centerman, and, and you're looking great, and... I, I mean, I think that's a pretty good hockey trade both have, ways. Have, I got to give talk, you credit. Have to talk to Doughty about that no movement clause, sure. but maybe he'd be incentivized sure. by uh, helping Winnipeg in his cup window. All right, the other one, I was trying to think of teams that like had good years that want to keep things going. So like Carolina, I was like, what would yeah. they need to do to, to keep it going? And so I ran them uh, in this uh, scenario at first, and I wasn't quite sure the fit. Then I stumbled on the New York Islanders and I was like, all right, you know, they're going to be kind of a regression candidate. What do the Islanders need to keep going? Realistically, they, they might need more help on defense, but they have uh, Ryan Pollock really coming into his own there. Uh, They have Noah Dobson, who I don't think it would surprise anyone if he not only stepped into the NHL, but did a, a, you know, was playing maybe even a top four role by January or February. Also on, uh, he's a, a right shot guy. So is Pollock as well. I'm staying in California. The Ducks are clearly trying to till the soil here. Ryan mm-hmm. Getzlaff, two years left. The savvy oh vet. A lot of miles on Getzlaff, but still a really good player. Great bounce back candidate. I want to. I should have his uh, salary in front of me, but I think it's eight mil. Eight two five mil. Eight two five. You slide Getzlaff in to support. Matthew Barzell, you know, one night, one guy's the number one, the next sure. night, the other guy is the ducks take Johnny Boychuk's pretty hefty contract back six mil. I mean, Boychuk's been a great soldier for the Islanders, but yep. you could make a case that he's, he can be squeezed out by Pollock and by Dobson coming up. Sure. You clear 6 million there. And the gem for the Ducks would be Oliver Wallstrom. Now, you hate to part with a prospect like that if you're the Islanders, but you did draft Dobson and Wallstrom in 2018. Would you swallow hard, trade a guy like Wallstrom in the hopes that in the next two years, Getzloff could help you get back to the playoffs, maybe get a little deeper, and keep up with these New York teams that are all making big moves? So Wallstrom... Did sign, and he played five AHL games at the end of last season, scoring nine points. Yeah, looks very great. intriguing. Um, you know, we'll talk about them, I think, in the next segment. Uh, I just think Getzlaff and the Ducks are a decent... There's a decent case to be made for why they could make a, a big a bounce back. Bounce back, here. all right. Um, so... You know, as soon as you trade away a number one center, you're immediately looking for a number one center again, right? And Wallstrom is a right winger, so he won't fit that. You're already down Ryan Kessler for next season as well. I just look at the Ducks, and I'm like, my gut is like, just hold this. Yeah. Because um, you've, you've kind of cleared out some, like Corey Perry's not there anymore. I don't know how much that will change the dynamic in their room and everything like that, but you got a bit of a different look. I think your defense is still pretty darn good with Cam Fowler and, and Hampus Lindholm. Like there, there, there's a good core of guys there. And I think this is the year, as long as he can stay healthy, Andre Kasha is going to really break out. It was happening for him last year. And then, and then the injury hit again, like Ricard Raquel, Jacob Silverberg. These well, guys did not have good seasons last it's year. True. And they draft so well that you never know. I mean, Troy Terry, right? Like guys who are in the, in the system, 
who you might not even realize it, but are about to take a big step. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing with the Ducks. Like, they've always drafted very, very well. So you got to know that Bob Murray's guys are going to be ready to come up. Like, Isaac Lundestrom, we'll see what he does in training camp, but he started with the team last year, and he looked pretty good before they sent him back to Sweden. Max Comtois, he had a good little showing before he got sent back. All these guys are going to be factors in training camp. So I, I just think, and then with John Gibson, like we were talking about, he's a fantastic goalie behind this. I I think he might be one of those upper echelon elite guys that could carry a team in his careers. Again, as long as he can stay healthy. And that's a question with him. I, if I'm the Ducks, I'm holding. I okay. think it could be a surprise team. You don't think they're right? They're not at that point mentally yet where it makes not sense yet. to turn over. Not yet for me, no. All right. No. All right. I'll the Pacific to- is just... So much can happen in that division. Okay, here's my promise to you and the listeners. If things fall apart for the Ducks in October, I'll be back here in November with more Ryan Getzlaff fake (laughs) trades. All right, you mentioned it. We're going to talk about uh, some of the uh, early point projections for teams. Talk about who we think might go over, might not meet those expectations, and take a look at some Stanley Cup odds. We'll find some value bets out there coming up on Tape to Tape. Hockey gods smiling upon us. The New Jersey Devils, those intriguing devils, have acquired a guy often referred to in in recent times as the best player not in the NHL, Nikita Mm -hmm. Gusev, tearing it up in the KHL the past couple of years. They have acquired him from the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for a third-round pick in 2020 and a second-round pick in 2021. Gusev is 27, and the reports are already out there. He signed a two-year deal with an AAV of $4.5 million. This just seems like another nice bit of business by Ray Shiro and the mm. New Jersey Devils, who are, I think, have fast become, if not the most improved, maybe the most improved, but certainly just a much more exciting team as we head into uh, into the season. It's just going to be interesting to see how this team plays and how good they are this year. Um, you know, Hall was injured for a good chunk of last year, so if he's healthy. He's going to bring that dynamism. Jack Hughes, obviously the first overall pick. Don't forget about Nico Hischer, the first overall pick a couple years earlier. Um, I think Corey Schneider, again, if he's healthy enough, he was fantastic down the last couple of months of this past season for the devils. And now you get Gusev. So he's right in his prime. As you said, 27 years old, led the KHL in scoring last year, led the KHL in assists the year before top scorer at the Olympics. Uh, when OAR, yeah. OAR. I think that's what Olympic it was. athletes from Russia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Won the uh, gold medal. Um, now 
you know, we'll see, right? This is this is the whole thing. Is he going to be a Vadim Shipashev who sure. just doesn't hit, or is he going to be an Evgeny like an Evgeny Dadanov type who was great for the Florida Panthers last year? Gusev outscored those kind of guys. He significantly outscored Dadanov in, in the KHL. It's just a matter of what is he going to do in the NHL. We'll see, but you give him a two year contract for four and a half million dollars. Like that's, that's no real risk for the devils. If he has a bad season, then fine. You either keep him on the books next year for 4.5. You still got a ton of cap space. Even with this, there's still about a little over $12 million in cap space for the devils this season, or you buy him out and he's gone and in whatever. But if he hits and you've now gotten another really good score to add to that, I mean, the Devils are going to be one of these really sneaky good teams next year. I mean, maybe not so sneaky now, but um, there, there's actually a lot to like. They just made the playoffs two years ago. That's right. Um, and they were seen as kind of a bit of, ahead of schedule, but it's tracking in the right direction. So it didn't surprise anybody when they missed last year. But again, you're coming back with a team that got to the playoffs two years ago, fully healthy Taylor Hall. P.K. Subban now on the back end, fully healthy Corey Schneider, first overall pick Jack Hughes, and if Gusev hits, boom, you're off. And, and you're a running. Nico Heischer who's getting better, you know, is, really is one of those Great guys who, guy. yeah, you, you really have to watch a lot to appreciate. Yeah, I can't think of a team that's gone, I don't want to say from irrelevant, but like a team that has just jumped the ranks so much in terms of excitement, intrigue, the way New Jersey has in the past couple months. Yeah, I'm trying to think of I something mean, the just other off the top of my head. The other and... team might be right across the river, right? I mean, they got to do this just to keep up with the Rangers who had Panarin and Truba and Kako. Sure. Um, you know, that's the only team I can think of right now. I mean, you could, in the conversation. you could, I guess, say when the Leafs finally took their jump, yeah. right? Like when they got Austin Matthews and they brought up Mitch, Mitch Marner, Marner, bring in Freddie Anderson. Yep. Everything kind of hit at once, right? But but they didn't make as many of these kinds. Like they did, they did it to the draft. They didn't buy, didn't do it by trading for Taylor Hall and PK Subban. Those are huge moves. They, yeah. And just, they cost just, them nothing. Yeah. It just makes so much sense. Like the, nothing has gone out the door yeah. here of note, right? No, every player who is going to be a part of the future for this devil's team that was in influence in any way and getting to the playoffs two years ago, that was going to be a factor into getting wherever this team is going. They're still on the roster. They've traded late draft picks. They've traded fringe players and prospects and that's it. And now they return as a really exciting team to watch. All right. Speaking of teams to watch, let's look at all of them. We're not going to talk about all of them, but I want you to pick a couple that jump out from some midsummer points projections here. Yeah. Um, so this is from Odd Shark all right. as of Sunday, July 28th. All right. So what do, you, what do you got for us in terms of who you think is a, a little too highly rated and who might be a little under the radar? So first of all, the Devils are at 88.5 points. What do, That's going to change. So I would take the over on that right now yeah, before it changes. Hit, hit, hit over. <laughs> hit the over button right get, now. Get the over on that right away. Um uh, other than them, I mean, Vancouver at 90.5, I don't think that's a great value because they could go either way, but I kind of get a good feeling about the Canucks this year. I would take the over on them. There's actually a few teams that I feel, I, I have a lot more teams that I would take the under on. Are the Islanders one? The, the Islanders aforementioned, Because I had underwritten down uh, next to their 93.5. Yeah, the Islanders are definitely one ninety three point five. I might just... I might just entirely stay away from the Metro division because 
that seems like it could go so many different ways. Like, is Pittsburgh going to be as good as they always have been? You kind of have to count on that, right? But like a New Jersey or a Rangers, these young teams could really change the way that division, like Carolina too. To that note though, Carolina is a team at 95.5 points. I kind of want to skew on the younger. I do not believe Peter Morazic will be able to repeat anything that he did last year. Just, to, I can't buy into that. On. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I love, I love the Dallas stars. I think they were huge winners on July one with Joe Pavelski. I love their defense. They were, their team defense was the best in the league last year. And Ben Bishop got a Vesna trophy nomination because of it, but 96 and a half points. Um, and that's fourth in the central division. That's a little high for me. Cause there, there's still definitely some risk that that team just doesn't find it. They were still like so inconsistent at points last year. So 96 and a half is, is a little high for me. I would take the, the under on those guys and like, you've got three, Okay, so there were four teams, only four teams out of the 31 in the NHL who had an over-under of at least 100 points, and three of them come from the Atlantic Division. I know that division is great and everything, but, you know, I kind of would want to take the under on Tampa Bay at 108.5. Second on the list is Toronto at 101.5. I think, is Tampa going to separate themselves that much from the league again? I kind of think it's in their interest to, and something that should take away from last season is, okay, let's take our foot off the gas a little bit. Pittsburgh learned that lesson, right? Yeah. So I just don't see them having that much separation again from the rest of the league. I, I would take the under on Tampa Bay, even though, sitting here right now, they're my Stanley cup pick. Sure. That just seems like a, a, a huge gap. I will throw out one that I have a little more faith in. I think there's a sense things are going to come apart in Columbus. Odd sharks has them six from the bottom at 84.5. I think it's a decent chance. They go above that. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I could definitely see that. I, I got to, I got to also throw Winnipeg out here. So the closer I look at this, they're at 95.5 points which compared to the rest of their division, that puts them fifth in the central division. Mm. They, like, I don't feel great about Winnipeg at this point in time, but that just makes me think too, we could be sleeping on them a little bit yeah. because they're still a really good team on paper, right? Some questions on defense, some questions of what is Connor Hellebuck exactly? Like he had one really good season yep. where he's a Vesna finalist, but the two around it were kind of, kind of so-so. But their forwards are still so deep. I I might actually take the over on, on the Jets in that situation. All right, let's flip over to the odds for the cup. This is coming from Bet365. Tampa Bay plus 750. So to win $750 dues, you got to lay down 100. That's what it's based on. This is the system. So bet 100, win 750. That is, those are the shortest odds, I guess you would say. Uh, Tampa is the favorite. Yes. Um, are there some value bets in here you like? Well, okay. So I started this by looking at the teams that are outside of the top 15. So I'm going for some of these like sleepers. Um, and from that point, I mean, here again, you got the New Jersey Devils at plus 2,800. I, I can't. That would be hard to put 100 bucks down on the New Jersey Devils to win the Stanley Cup, but these are the teams. So New Jersey Devils, plus 2,800. Philadelphia Flyers, plus 3,300. If Carter Hart can be at, at some level as last year. But how about this one? Plus 3,500 Chicago Blackhawks. 
Interesting. I mean, again, these are all these are your long shots. But yeah, you're trying to look for some value for on value. a team that maybe hits. So they they added to their defense core. Um, Olimata, Calvin DeHaan, giving up basically nothing. Their offense was top ten last year. I think that was because they were just a free-flowing team, right? Things changed under Jeremy Colleton. They'll just be a better defensive team this year because they'll have to be from day one if they want to get to the playoffs. Patrick Kane is just one of the most consistently be excellent in the, in scorers the in the league. Conversation for Absolutely. Sure. Jonathan Taze had a bounce-back season last year. I doubt he scores as many points, but he's just as reliable two ways. You have that... And those, you know, guys are, and those guys are 30, Strom. not 35, exactly. right? Exactly. You're not at that point of their career yet where they're really going to rapidly tail off. Like Seabrook's feeling that a bit. Um, Duncan Keith didn't get as much power play time towards the end of the season because Eric Gustafson sure. was so good. And and again, I don't think he's going to get to the same point totals, but you can he, manage his minutes a little more. Exactly. Now. And if you, if, if Corey Crawford is great and and healthy and now you have them in a tandem or you have a safety net in Robin Laner. I mean, that's an excellent, excellent goaltending situation for the Chicago Blackhawks. So, you know, with, with all the upheaval going on in that central division, how well do you feel about Winnipeg? How well do you feel about Nashville? You know, maybe there's an opening for a team like Chicago to kind of bounce all the way back. And even the Pacific is a little bit up in the air right now. There's a road for them to get all the way back. If you're looking to take one of these long shot bets, I don't think Chicago is a bad one. No, I agree. Um, Pittsburgh at plus uh, 2,200. Yep. Slightly interesting as well. I would say. Absolutely. So they're inside the top 15, but again, like, (laughs) yes, you lost Phil Kessel, but this could be the year playing with Evgeny Malkin, Alex Galchenyuk scores 30 and kind yeah, of strills that back in it. again, right? You you just can't bet against a team like Pittsburgh and with Crosby and, and Malkin. And this might be your window to jump in on the value. How often do you see them at this point in the season rated that lowly? What are they? I think they are 15th. No, they're 14th, 14th best odds right now. I mean, that's, that's pretty good money for a really proven team, but like the wimps we are Rory, probably yeah. neither one of us will lay our hard earned dough down. I would not go in on like some of these teams. I like, are you going to go plus 1500 on the St. Louis no. Blues to repeat? Heck no. no. Are you going to go plus 1200 fifth best odds on the Colorado avalanche? I, I like Colorado, but like that yeah. you're buying them high. At True. peak value right there. I, I don't know about that. Vegas add plus one. Love 1, Vegas plus 1,000. Third best odds. Toronto second best odds plus 900. I can't get onto that wagon there. Don't feel great about Calgary at plus 1,800 either. Florida plus 1,800. I just don't see it happening in your <laughs> one. I just don't see it happening. All right. The value is in uh, the Blackhawks. That is the message uh, for today. Well, thanks to the New Jersey Devils and Vegas Golden Knights for getting that little bit of business done while we were still in front of the microphones. We will be back in a couple weeks. As noted, Rory's got some golfing to do. I've got a little trip to the East coast coming up. So lots going on for us uh, in our, uh, in our own lives here in the next couple of weeks, but we will of course jump back into the studio, maybe after T2T golf. So we can talk about our embarrassing scores until then. Make sure you're checking out sportsnet.ca for all your sporting news, hockey and otherwise. Check out Rory on Twitter, at Rory Boylan, myself, at Dixon on Sports. And come back soon for more glass rattling hockey action on Tape to Tape.